Welcome back to The Buzz on Business. On this episode, Rachel Brown talks with Dr. Kinsey Madison, an associate professor of entrepreneurship. Kinsey talks about her research with family businesses. All right, welcome back to the Buzz on Business podcast. This is Rachel Brown. I'm uh, thrilled again to have this guest with us today. I'm speaking with Dr. Kinsey Madison. Dr. Madison, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited to jump into our conversation as I've gotten to know you better. Looking forward to letting our listeners get to know you better. So as we start, just kind of give us like a skim of your resume. Who who are you? How did you end up in Stillwater, Oklahoma? Sure. Well, thanks again for having me. Um, I'll just kind of start with my educational experience. I got my undergrad at Auburn University in management and then my master's there in human resource management and then spent about 15 years working for various companies in different HR jobs and finally uh, decided to really follow my passion and go back and get my PhD, which I did that at the University of Tennessee. And then my first job as a professor was at Mississippi State University, where I spent four years, and then came over here in 2018, really to be a part of the entrepreneurship program here. That's so awesome. That's who I am and where I've been. So you have you know, degrees in management, you spent time in HR. So what really led you to entrepreneurship then? So entrepreneurship, to me, means probably something a little bit different than some of our other faculty and students, perhaps. I have worked in family businesses uh, when I worked in my industry career, and then all of my academic research is in the context of family businesses. So as you um, know, family businesses are owned by families and entrepreneurial families. And um, so looking at how those families really kind of pass their firms from generation to generation. So it's a kind of um, a subset in the entrepreneurial field that I that I love to focus on. That's really great. I, I am looking forward to breaking more of that down. But let's start with that industry experience you have. Tell us more about those jobs. What were those environments like? Because you were the outsider to those family businesses, right? Yeah, absolutely. So my um, most of my jobs were in HR. And so I was an HR manager or an HR director working with employees, trying to figure out what motivates employees, specifically related to benefits and insurance and all of those kind of perks associated with being an employee. So I was in charge of, of working with that um, and helping employees and but what's interesting is I did work in family businesses. My industry career spanned across three different companies, all of which were family firms. So the businesses were owned by family, had family members working in those uh, businesses, but I was never a family member. Um, I was always a non-family employee, so kind of figuring out how to navigate what's best for the family and what's best for the firm and what's best for all of these non-family employees was interesting and challenging. Um, and so that kind of shaped the things that I research as an academic um, now, you know, all these years later. I can totally imagine. So you, know, you walk into a PhD now to study and you're hearing about family businesses and did that spark a connection in you? I mean, you had this personal experience, but what was 
the narrative you were hearing and what was already out there. Yeah, absolutely. My, my PhD is actually in strategic management. A lot of the entrepreneurship faculty uh, really started with PhDs in, in strategy. Entrepreneurship is a newer um, academic field. And when we read academic journal articles and in our seminars in my PhD program, one of my seminars was led by a very uh, well-known uh, family business researcher and so part of that course, he had us read a lot of different articles about family businesses. And as soon as I started reading those, I realized, oh, my gosh, this research makes so much sense to me. Because, And then I looked back at my career and realized, oh, I always worked for family businesses and I didn't know anything different. And now I get to read about them through an academic perspective. And, and then for me, as I grew in this career and then started researching on my own, I realized that, hey, no one in our field is looking at the non-family employee and comes to the, the research with that perspective. And so a lot of my research really focuses on how the non-family employee can either help the firm or really vice versa, too, how the family members may treat the non-family employees um, and the overall impact on the business. So it's it's pretty cool to have kind of that different perspective and that different voice in academic research that came from industry experience. That's so exciting and so cool that you get to bring this new perspective and new light into something people have been studying for a long time, but have this whole new twist on, I'm sure that's really valuable to be able to put into that body of work. But so talk to me more specifically about the research you've done, your specific subjects. I mean, we're talking about family business mostly, but what has really excited you about researching that field? You know, I think um, a couple of my articles really stand out to me, kind of just thinking back on some of my more favorite ones or the ones that might have the most impact on really family businesses and even even our students, you know, talking to the students about my research. Um, one in particular that was recently published earlier this year, it really looks at gendered effects in family businesses. And what we found, we ended up surveying hundreds of employees and CEOs at, you know, hundreds of different family businesses. And so what we can do by looking at all of these, you know, all of these different companies is we can start to see patterns. And the patterns that we noticed is that daughters who are working in the family business uh, and sons working in the family business compared to male and female non-family employees really have different experiences. And those experiences tend to be based on their kind of the gendered role expectations within the family. So um, you know, gendered role expectations essentially is, you know, as what it means to be male, what it means to be female. And so we're all raised with these different expectations. And what we found in these family businesses where typically the females were raised in the family to be supportive and nurturing and, you know, provide more emotional support. And the boys in the family were taught in the family to be leaders and to be more assertive and and eventually that the male, the son, is going to take over the business. And so what happens when these sons and daughters go and work for the family business, we find that these same gendered effects that occur in the family spill over into the family business. So we don't, so we see that, that the 
female employees, the, the daughters in family businesses are still being those caretakers and those nurturers. And they're doing whatever they can to reduce conflict and really help the business more from an emotional standpoint. And those sons are, are really trying to be the leader. So it, it's, it's interesting to see that the, those gendered effects from the family spill over into the business. And I think there's quite a bit of implications and, you know, that you can draw from that and figure out, well, how do we break these patterns and what can the family firm do? What can the family do to, to really not have those, to maybe have boundaries between the family and, and the firm so that everyone within the family firm can really thrive and be the best employee they can be. Um, I think a really interesting uh, kind of more recent paper that I've really enjoyed working on. That is so incredibly interesting. And I, I don't have like a very entrepreneurial family, but I have close friends who do. And even just as you were speaking some of those things, I'm like, I see it. I see that happen. Like, that's so, so interesting. And like you just said, so many implications that we can take from that. I mean, I love our entrepreneurship program, but likely only a few of us are going to go to found this great big company, an Apple or a Google or anything like that. But more than likely, a lot of us will either be a non-family employee for somebody else's family company or go join their family's company that they're just going to, they're going coming to college and then going back to that family business. And so with all the research you're doing, I mean, what are your, your goals with that? How do you hope to you know, improve other family businesses or, you know, make an impact on your students here? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, And just to kind of put some statistics behind what you were saying, there are an estimated 90% 90 of all businesses here in the U.S. are actually family businesses. So, So even large businesses like Walmart and Ford, of course, are family businesses. But even, you know, a lot of these smaller businesses. So we think, you know, if 90% of all businesses here in the U.S. are family firms, and it's it, the number is sometimes even higher than that um, globally. And then, you know, family businesses are employing the majority of the workforce. So what that means is our students here are most likely going to work for a family business, just like I did when I came out of college. Um and if they're not going to work for somebody else's family business and be that non-family employee, they're probably currently being groomed to work in their own family's business. Mm-hmm. Um, so the statistics indicate that, you know, there's very high likelihood that our students are going to go on to these family firms. And so, so I think from my perspective, and that's why I love being in an entrepreneurship program and being able to research family businesses in entrepreneurship and really have this voice and and be able to talk to students about my, not just my industry experience, like my employment in a non in family businesses, but also what my research says that, you know, I see patterns, all the research projects that I've done, I'm able to find these patterns that you wouldn't identify by just being in one single family business. So So I think I have a really great opportunity to talk to students about their careers and the businesses that they're going to be going into after they graduate and what to expect in those businesses, whether they're the family member or the non-family member. And if they are the family member, maybe it's even talking to them about, hey, let's figure out how you can implement um, unbiased HR practices 
right? So you're promoting or hiring people based on their qualifications, not just because they're a family member. Or let's make sure our family members do have those qualifications so that they can lead their firms and allow their firms to to live through the generations. So I think that's a really great opportunity that I can really connect with students that way because we have essentially that we will have the same experiences. And then I think another um, thing that's really important uh, about researching and family businesses is there are we, we have a lot a really good opportunity to talk with family business owners and family v- business advisors people who are really interested in making sure that family firm transfers to the next generation. And so our research can really help those, those owners and advisors put practices in place that'll, you know, set them up for success. Some of my papers deal with the succession process and how to, to better navigate that. Um, some of my papers look at the impact of communication and not just communication within the family, but how do you actually communicate with those non-family members too? So, so I think, you know, through my experience and through my research and, you know, just being able to talk to family business owners and advisors and students, I think we have a really good opportunity, not just to have the student be successful in their career, but have the, the family business be successful as well. I love that the research that you get to do has this super practical application to it. And you seem like you're in the perfect setting to be able to have that impact on family business owners, advisors, like you said, but also students who are likely going to go into those situations, which I think is so incredible and that that value you get to bring into the classroom. So do you have any stories about interactions with students either while they've been here or even after they've graduated who have come back and shared with you the ways that what you were able to teach them impacted them? Um, yeah, you know, actually I do, um, one of the classes I teach here is a women and minority entrepreneurship class. And it's a, it's a fun class. And the students I have had in that class have been amazing. And, you know, we talk not just about, uh, women and minorities in the context of entrepreneurship, but we also, I mean, we talk statistics and theory and implications and trying to figure out, you know, why are the statistics the way they are? But we also talk about, you know, women in the workforce and minorities in the workforce and different challenges and glass ceiling effects and things like that. But so through that, I did have a student recently about two weeks ago reach out to me and she graduated last year and she got a job at a smaller company and she was so excited when she found out the CEO was a female and she said that made me want to work for the company even more because of your class and everything we learned and all the barriers that she had to you know pass you know to break through to get to that position and it makes me really want to work in that business so i just thought that was really nice feedback um because i think as a, a professor you don't really know the impact you're having on students at the time and so it's nice to to hear from those former students and to hear that, okay, yeah, what we're talking about makes sense. And then they get to live it and see it and, and kind of apply that information. And so that's really fun, I think, for me. That's so incredible. And I mean, I am all here for the female CEOs, the empowerment. So I, I think it's so cool that you get to teach that class A. But then how awesome to hear that that made an impact on somebody that your class helped make them even more excited for going into that position with with that kind of leadership, which is so, so great. 
um, kind of to switch gears a little bit back to just you're teaching, you're researching, and then the world shuts down. And so you've been doing all this from home, right? How how has the pandemic treated you with with your position? Uh, the the pandemic. I mean, of course, like it did with everyone, changed everyone's lives. But for me, um, you know, I don't mind being at home. Mm. Uh, so so that part <laughs> it wasn't horrible. But I did, um. I did miss the students. I missed my colleagues. Um, and for me, it was challenging. For those of you who, who know me, I don't have the best technology skills <laughs> or s- skills at all <laughs> when it comes to that. I don't even know how to use my phone. So teaching virtually was very scary. And it was something that I was very nervous about and trying to record lectures and all of those things was beyond difficult for me. But um, once I kind of got over that fear and started doing it, I think um, I did well, you know, and it ended up being okay. Um, you know, and I got feedback from my students that they enjoyed it too. But, you know, and I tried to to do some neat things to make sure that the students were participating and engaged, which, you know, were scary for me to do too, but it ended up being great. Um, and so that was a new skill that I really learned during the pandemic that I'm grateful for. And now I don't have that fear anymore. So so I think that's been really good. Um, you know, I've been able to to focus a lot with on my research and finish some some big, important research projects, too, uh, during the pandemic. So that's been at least fun. I mean, I love the research aspect of my job. It's it's a lot of fun for me. Um, so. So overall, um, I think I've managed to get through through the pandemic <laughs> successfully. That is very impressive. And I, I have some technology skills, but again, having to, I had to learn how to do Zoom and all the little things that go with that. And so even from a student perspective, it was a uh, learning yeah. curve, I think, for all of us, certainly. Awesome that you've been able to be so productive with your research. And from my perspective, I mean, as a student, I didn't realize really just how long some of those projects take. And you've been able to do quite a bit of work recently, haven't you? Yeah. um, It's funny you ask that. That project I mentioned to you about the gendered effects in family businesses, looking back on that project, uh, you know, I have um, some co-authors who are working, who worked with me on it, but that project we started in 2012. Wow. And so, you know, it's been 10, almost 10 years of, you know, working on that Mm. project. And so finally, kind of getting it to finish it and really start, you know, presenting my findings, you know, to the, the family firm community. It's been really nice, you know, to, to have that, that done. And, and it spurs new research ideas and, and new projects that, that kind of have the time to start now as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And congratulations. That Thank is you. a huge achievement. Thank you. Um, what is kind of next for your research? What, what's the next thing that's you're, you're really interested in learning more about? Um, you know, most of my projects are in uh, family businesses, and I do have several different family business projects going on now. But I've actually teamed up with another colleague here, uh, Dr. Kurt Moore, and he and I are working on a paper that actually looks at women and innovation, and specifically in emerging economies. And so that's been really fun to uh, you know, develop a new partnership with a colleague here at Oklahoma State and 
and working in an area, you know, kind of just researching gendered effects and even teaching that women and minority entrepreneurship class, we get some neat ideas to kind of, you know, think about and, and start new projects. So that one's really on the, the top of mind right now. So that does sound that'll super be a lot exciting. Of fun. Yeah. That'll be really interesting to see what you guys discover through that. That's awesome. Well, as we start to wind down the podcast, I've got a couple other questions for you. Um, say you have two hypothetical students, one who's about to go into a small family business as an outsider, and then one who's about to return to a family business and start working for the family again. You know, with everything that you've learned, what advice would you give to those two, those two hypothetical students? Oh my gosh. Um, I think for the family member going back to the family business, I think what we have found and what all the research indicates is that um, it is always advisable and best to go get outside education and outside experiences before coming back to the business, just to have that new kind of fresh perspective and see what works. And in a way, um, kind of prove your qualifications so that you really can go back to the, the business and learn and, and grow. I mean, we've, we have seen though, at times the, you know, the previous generation and the new generation, uh, maybe there's some conflict there and trying to navigate successfully. How do you bring in these new ideas without losing the family identity um, and the family legacy, I think. So even though, you know, for the new generation going back into the family business, still, of course, be respectful and and think about, you know, what did the founder do to get the business where it is and, you know, maybe not be so quick to change everything, but absolutely that these outside experiences and education can be so beneficial for the business so that eventually you can even pass it down to the, the next generation. Um, I think for the non-family employee, I think, you know, for me, through my research and my experience, I mean, just learning how to navigate the family um, and understanding one of the things really that defines a family business from all other businesses, the family's involvement, but the family's involvement means that it's more about the family's goals and not necessarily financial goals for the business. So you have to look at these kind of what we call socio-emotional goals. And so as a non-family employee, you have to understand that the business is there for the family too. Yes, you want to be profitable, but there's other things besides profit that are important. And, and so sometimes that's almost a paradox or confusing for especially business students who think, oh, profit, we need profit. But there's other things, you know, there's, you know, leaving a legacy for the family and the family's reputation and the, the family standing within the community and all those types of things. And let's see, I think being under, understanding and aware of that. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that family businesses have, too, is that culture, that um, kind of this family culture within the business and, you know, org organizational culture, uh, you know, simply is really just the values and norms of an organization. And so it's so important as 
as a student, you know, a recent grad trying to find a job is really to find out what that organizational culture is and whether or not you fit that culture. Because there are some people who thrive in very competitive, fast-paced environments. There's also people who thrive in more of that family environment, that culture that it's more nurturing. And so if you know that that's the kind of business you would feel better in that you align with because it matches your own personal values and expectations, then you might want to look at working in a family business because um, the, the cultures are, are quite different. That's I love your perspective. Both c- comes from this industry, personal, real life experience, but also so much of the truth that you've learned through through observation and through research. So I really value, Dr. Madison, that you're able to bring all those things together to help our students. Um, we have one more activity to end the podcast, which we call the lightning round. Should be some fast paced back and forth questions. Hopefully they're pretty easy, but just the first thing that comes to mind to your mind. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite season? Fall. Good answer. Can't go wrong with fall. Had a 25% shot. (laughs) Are you a dog or a cat person? Dog. Do you have any dogs? A Doberman. Oh, very fun. Love that. Love my Doberman. What is the favorite place you've ever traveled? Oh, gosh. I, I mean, I've, I've traveled the world. I come from a military family and I've moved a lot. Um, and then traveled a lot to different conferences and oh my gosh, I, I can find something I love about every place I go. I don't have it, any specific place. That's fine. I love that. That's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful perspective to have. <laughs> uh, what's something that you've learned how to do since the pandemic? Can I say technology? <laughs> I still don't think I'm go- that good at that. Um, so maybe let's see. I think I cook better than I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, I organized a whole bunch of closets. <laughs> Very productive. Um, oh, and I did actually pick up roller skating again. Oh, so heck yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what is your go-to comfort food? French fries. Mm. Oh, macaroni and cheese. Mm. Both? Pizza? Yes. Okay. All of the above. <laughs> All of those things. <laughs> Who is someone who's inspired you? Oh, my gosh. Um... Gosh, all of my professors. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, so many. Uh, but I guess just the one more more recent inspiration and role model was my PhD uh, advisor. Um, he's a big family firm researcher and really introduced me to the family firm side of the academic, uh, you know, side of things. And um, so he and I, you know, he was my um, dissertation chair and guided me through my PhD program and my first couple research projects. And he and I still sit for 10 years now have never not worked on a project together. So, um, you know, the, he's on that gendered paper we worked on. And when that one wrapped up, I thought, Oh my gosh, this is going to be the first time in 10 years. We don't have a project we're working on together. And then sure enough, we started a new one. So, (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, he's just he's just great, great role model. You know, I mean, all, all of my professors really have been mentors to me. That's so great. Yeah. All right. For our last question, whenever you're just needing inspiration or motivation, do you have a hype up song? No. <laughs> 
you just draw from it intrinsically. That's impressive. I don't. I'm uh no. I I often need some Beyonce to inspire me to get I, up and do something. I can honestly say I'm not much of a music person. That's all right. Sorry. <laughs> Well, Dr. Madison, thank you so much again for joining us for the podcast. I've really enjoyed our conversation and getting to learn all the incredible and impressive things that you've been doing. Well, thank you so much. That was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Great. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Buzz on Business podcast. I've been Rachel Brown. You can follow us at OSU Entrepreneurship on Facebook and Instagram and at Riata Center on Twitter. See you next time. To finish Riata's episode this week, let's talk about the events that took place today in history, September 21st. In 1937, J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit is published for the first time. The beloved adventure story follows Hobbit Bilbo Baggins as he traverses through Middle-earth to find treasure guarded by a dragon named Smog. In 2008, Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley, the last two remaining independent investment banks on Wall Street, became bank holding companies as a result of the subprime mortgage crisis. Goldman Sachs, led by Lloyd Blankfin, received $10 billion in government funds, which was eventually repaid. Morgan Stanley borrowed $107.3 billion from the Federal Reserve to help it finance its cash-starved operations. 